0: Hi, Tony Heinz here. You're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast all about supply chain advantage. This is the News Roundup. Everything impacting global supply chains this week. Hi, Tony Heinz here. You're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast all about supply chain advantage. The only one with insight, information, intelligence for you to stay informed and keep up to date. And I'd like to wish you all a very happy new year. And we've got some interesting stories that I'm sure you'll want to find out more about. So stick around. Big news story is still all the trouble in the Red Sea and the additional cost that this is bringing to businesses around the globe. Anybody ordering goods out of Asia coming through the Suez Canal normally is currently being diverted around the Cape of Good Hope. this is because of the Uti attacks in Yemen, were they boarding the ships and causing a lot of disruption? And of course, the US and several other countries have an operation ongoing in that particular area to try and stop what's actually happening. And so that's in the news this week. And then there are other challenges in the news this week, all of which we'll discuss in the news roundup. So stick around, find out more. So, Operation Prosperity Guardian has been the name of the operation that's taking place with a number of countries protecting ships in the Red Sea. And they fired a number of missiles at the rebels. The US Navy has currently shot down around about 38 Houthi drones. According to a report by Politico, it costs around 2.1 million US dollars per shot from a Navy warship and it's costing the drones about $2,000 a shot from the Houthi rebels. So it's a significant difference. Now, as I've been reporting on the Chain Reaction podcast for a few weeks now, global supply chains are facing severe disruption, as the biggest shipping companies in the world are diverting their ships away from the Red Sea because of the Houthi rebel attacks on commercial vessels. So the Suez Canal is losing income as a consequence of all the ships diverting round the Cape of Good Hope. And this Houthi group have declared their support for Hamas in the conflict against Israel. But of course the ships affected are not just those heading to Israel, but the whole shipping community has been badly affected. The Houthis have increased the frequency of attacks since the start of the Israel-Hamas war in October. And the group is backed by Iran. It's been using drones and rockets against foreign-owned vessels coming through the Strait of Bab al-Mandab. That's a 20-mile channel. It splits Eritrea and Djibouti on the African side and Yemen on the Arabian Peninsula. And ships take this route because it's the shortest route coming from Asia to Europe and vice versa. But these attacks have really disrupted world trade. If you pass through the Suez Canal, it's about 10,000 nautical miles, 18,520 kilometres, it takes 25.5 days. And if you go around the Cape of Good Hope, you increase that journey mileage to 13,500 nautical miles, 25,000 kilometres, and it takes 34, 35 days. And it also raises the cost. I heard one comment that the... Cost of sending a ship around the Cape, on a very large ship, it could add as much as $1 million US to the cost of fuel. About 17,000 ships use the Suez Canal every year, and that's about 12% of the annual global trade that passes through the Red Sea. And it carries $1 trillion worth of goods, according to Lloyd's List. About £200 billion worth of trade has already been diverted from the Red Sea. Longer shipping times and higher freight costs are the result of the Houthi attacks, and it's added a strain on vessel capacity. It's about 20% presently. During 2024, capacity in shipping is about to increase by around 12%, which will ease some of the strain from the capacity loss here as these ships come online again. But hopefully the problem will be resolved long before then. Presently, large shippers such as Maersk, and Hapag Lloyd have rerouted their ships round the Cape of Good Hope. On New Year's Eve, US helicopters attacked Houthi rebels and killed about 10 people who were responsible for some of these attacks. There have been drone attacks regularly for the past few weeks on shipping on the entrance to the Red Sea, with those ships passing up the Suez Canal. These persistent attacks have drawn a strong warning from the United States, Japan, the United Kingdom and nine other nations, which said the Houthis will bear the responsibility of the consequences should they continue to threaten lives, the global economy and the free flow of commerce in the region's critical waterways. As a result of the attacks, about 20% of the capacity in ships isn't being used presently and that's because there's a massive drop in manufacturing orders. So people are already making adjustments to the order quantities because of these attacks. Going round Cape the Cape, as we've said, means longer times, adds time to the journey, as we've indicated, and fueling costs are increasing. Rates for freight travelling from Asia to Northern Europe more than doubled this week. They've gone above four thousand dollars per forty foot equivalent unit container, and the Asia Mediterranean prices climbed to five thousand one hundred and seventy five dollars per container. And some carriers have announced rates above six thousand dollars, so Costs are escalating quite wildly at present. These higher costs, of course, will hit consumers as the goods hit the retail chains. Businesses by this time are used to disruptions, though, and they'll have learned quite a lot from the supply chain chaos that happened in the Suez Canal when the evergreen got stuck a couple of years back, and, of course, all the chaos they've had during the Covid period. The rates from Asia to North America's east coast have risen 55% to $3,900 per 40-foot. Container and West Coast prices climbed 63% to around $2,700. In the United States, this could see a shift of traffic away from the East Coast ports to the West Coast ports due to the changing economics. About 25 to 30% of all the global container traffic passes through the Suez Canal on the Asia Europe trade. In the United Kingdom this week, next. The fashion retailer said that some of its goods arriving to stores will take much longer as a result of these delays and disruptions in the Red Sea. Well, employment seems to be on the rise in the United States. Hiring unexpectedly grew very strongly last month, and the economy is defying forecasts of slowdown or move towards any recession. About 216,000 jobs were added in the last month, and the unemployment rate remained fairly stable, around 3.7%, according to the U.S. Labor Department. And it continues the strong growth for employment, despite the forecast gloom. It raises hopes that the U.S. Central Bank will be able to control inflation and keep inflation under control. During the past year, the United States added about 2.7 million jobs Granted, it's lower than the 4.8 million in 2022 and the 6.4 million in 2021, but in a difficult set of circumstances, it's keeping up employment. And pay rises have also followed. Average earnings in December were up 4.1% from the previous year. Job growth has remained resilient. I think one of the things that's interesting about the economy is, although it's doing particularly well, Given the circumstances, this hasn't translated into a political bonus for the Biden administration, who seem to be managing things reasonably well, according to all the statistics that are coming out. That hasn't translated to a political bounty for the Democrat Party and for Joe Biden's presidency, not yet at least. There appears to be somewhat of a disconnect between economic success and politics. Growth in the demand for new electric cars in the United Kingdom has uh, stumbled. The number of electric cars last year that were sold reached record levels, but the share of the market hasn't increased according to the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders, the SMMT. It means that uh, overall EVs haven't improved the market share for the first time since 2018, and it does raise some concerns about the future. There are calls for changes in policy, to create tax cuts, to boost the sale of EVs. So after the disruptive years of the pandemic and the shortage of vital semiconductors, the market for new cars was 1.9 million vehicles registered in 2023. That's just under 18% more than in the previous 12 months. EVs overall accounted for about 16.5% of new vehicles sold in the United Kingdom last year. That's down from 16.6% in 2022. And although the sales have risen to 315,000, that was helped by generous tax incentives for company car users. Non-company car sales of EVs are much lower. So it depends what happens next, really. But there are lots of difficulties with the EV market presently, and people are holding back. And you can understand why. It's not just the high prices, but it's concerns about The charging network, and there's concerns about the cost of batteries over time and the fact that the technology is quite new. There's very little incentive for private buyers to switch from petrol or diesel engines presently. The upfront costs for a private buyer are pretty high. EVs tend to cost at least a third to a half more than traditional combustion engine cars. The government phased out incentives to individuals in 2022 and the move to push back the limit on the sale of combustion engine cars, petrol and diesel from 2030 to 2035 has taken some of the pressure off. Users of EVs say that it's still difficult to get charged and if you're doing long journeys it's always a concern whether you're going to have enough fuel in the battery for the journey. Hybrid cars are more popular than pure EVs for this reason. So it remains to be seen how this market will develop. But it won't be helping when you hear stories such as those coming out of Tesla having to recall 1.6 million cars in China and those problems. BYD, which is the competitor and a world leader in EV car manufacture, is heavily subsidised by the Chinese government. And that could damage European car makers' approach to developing EVs. So there are many concerns around the EV market presently. It's probably like any new product development if you think about it. This has happened very fast and the adjustments are difficult. During the past year, Paul Corner, who looks after Road EV operation, said that Motorway Services had rolled out an additional 60 high powered chargers in the last year. But the biggest challenge is the cable routing. To the site, it can be long and it can be expensive. And the legal planning process is also difficult and takes time. The SMMT acknowledged that the charging infrastructure does present a challenge. And although charging points have increased, they need to accelerate. And this is all about confidence for the consumer purchasing vehicles. If you're going to set off on a journey and you're worried about where you're going to fill up with the energy to complete the journey, Then why would you invest and why would you pay that additional premium for that vehicle? The RAC has asked for a VAT cut. They want to to see the charge for VAT on a fill up with electric charge reduced from the current 20% to 5%. But of course, that creates problems for the government, who will be losing out given the charge that they make on VAT on fossil fuel equivalents. So if they lose the revenue from that, what's going to fill the, the gap, and especially with uh, government costs increasing. So it's a case of watch this space. It'll be interesting to see how it develops, but it may not be as smooth as was hoped, and for many, it may be a step too far. Certainly, until the technology improves, until the charging infrastructure improves, until the costs come down. Now, Tesla, I just mentioned, recalling more than 1.6 million vehicles in China, and this is because of the steering software and the door locking systems on models such as the S, the X, the 3, and Y, and 7,538 imported vehicles. The problems are going to be fixed by remote updates to the software, which means that the cars don't necessarily need to go back to the dealership, but it comes less than a month after Tesla recalled, 2 million cars in the United States because of the autopilot software. Last year in May, the Chinese regulator said more than a million vehicles may have acceleration and braking system issues. Tesla said it will release an over-the-air software update for the 1.6 million. So not all going smoothly for EV manufacturers, and particularly Tesla. It's a very competitive market too, because China's BYD has become the leading car manufacturer in that segment worldwide, and it took over the top position from Tesla. Back in 2022, Tesla had a recall of 128,000 cars in China because of a rare motor inverter defect. China, of course, is the largest consumer market for EVs, and they aim to have the majority of cars powered with clean energy by 2035, and this is a good thing for China because they have lots of air pollution due to the growing economy and some of the dirty fuels that are reaching the atmosphere. So anything they can do to lower that uh, pollution effect is good news. And they seem to be making strides to do that. Tesla, of course, has its largest gigafactory in Shanghai. That facility delivers about 947,000 vehicles a year. When it comes to domestic and business energy supplies, the cost of energy has risen consistently since Russia began its war in Ukraine. That's put a lot of pressure on the world economy and the supply of gas and electricity. The typical energy bill for a household in England, Wales and Scotland has risen to £1,928 a year for the first three months of 2024. It's a rise of £94 over the last quarter between November and December 23. This figure is based on an average typical household, given the new energy price cap. And this is a price cap that doesn't really work like a price cap. It actually gives license to the energy companies to charge up to that figure. And most of them do. They seem to just go up to the figure. So it makes the market still quite volatile. And there's also discrepancies across the United Kingdom. Apparently, users in North Wales, Cheshire and parts of Merseyside are paying more than the average customer in Britain, while those in the northeast of England pay less. If you have a prepayment meter or you pay by cash, check, bank transfer, you'll also pay more than direct debit customers. So this is a market in much need of uh, being an actual market, rather than the fix it currently is, which just puts all the power in the hands of the supplier. It's always a problem, of course, when state monopolies are privatised and they just become private monopolies because they can charge what they want. And they do. There were 30,199 insolvencies in the United Kingdom during the past year, and that's a 52% increase on the previous year, according to Credit Safe. So insolvencies on the rise, and people still blaming COVID for those insolvencies and inflation. The real problem, of course, is the cost increases and the lack of cash flow, and demand has definitely fallen, I think, for some businesses far more than they expected. In the first week of 2024, there have been two aircraft incidents. The first, of course, was in Japan, where an airliner landed and burst into flames. Fortunately, all the passengers on board survived due to the quick action of the fire teams. The accident happened when a Coast Guard flight about to take off to tackle some of the problems from the earthquake in Japan crossed the path of a landing Japan Airlines, Airbus 350. Fortunately, all passengers and crew on that plane were safe but there were four fatalities out of the five crew on the Coast Guard plane that was hit. And the second aircraft incident in the week was an Alaskan Airlines flight taking off from Portland in the US where the window blew out. Fortunately again, all passengers were safe and Alaskan Airlines have grounded. The Boeing 737 MAX 9 for checks after this blowout. Some more bad news for Boeing with the MAX 737. It's important to say that during the past decade, air safety is at its highest level and there are very few air accidents. There are other things that are far more dangerous in the transport field. Well, this is the first news round of 2024 And if I had a wish for 2024, I'd like to see a far more peaceful world than we've had in the past couple of years. I'd like to see a resolution to the Ukraine-Russia invasion. And I'd like to see a resolution to the Hamas-Israel conflict. And I'm sure many of you would. It's incumbent on the world and on people to actually get along in a peaceful manner. And I know too. Many of those with strong held beliefs. This might seem somewhat naive, but answer this question Why is it that nations and groups of people want to fight? Is that the nature of uh, human behavior? Is that what we want to do? It disrupts so many lives, it kills people, it damages the planet, and it damages all the good relations that we should be having. We should be welcoming difference and we should be helping each other. So, if you're in any position of power, that's what you need to be working towards. Put aside those prejudices and sit down and talk. After all, a political resolution is the only way to stop these things. So my New Year resolution is simply this. Cooperation, not conflict. As the English philosopher Thomas Hobbes said, life is nasty, brutish and short. So I say... Let's make it better. Cooperation, not conflict. Chain reaction. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. I hope you've learned something new. And I look forward to seeing you come back to the Chain Reaction podcast next week and all year. We've got some great episodes coming up. We've got some interesting guests coming along too. And I'm sure you'll find it rewarding if you drop by and have a listen. There are over 200 episodes for you to listen to and catch up on right now of the Chain Reaction Podcast with me, Tony Hines. So all the best to you and yours and I hope you have a very good new year whatever you do. And I'll see you next time. Bye for now.